Welcome to episode six of the Weekly Juice podcast. My name is Ryan Bevilacqua. I'm joined alongside my co-host, Corey Jacobson. Today, we're going to discuss building your all-star real estate investing team. That includes your personal team, your purchasing team, and your post-purchasing team. Uh, essentially, what you want to do and what we have done is surround ourselves with like-minded people that we trust. And essentially, when you surround yourself by, with people that you trust and the right people, it can accelerate your growth. Uh, I've actually uh, found a few quotes here that I think will help one to build their team and what you want to think about when you're going out and putting your team together. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So what I truly believe is you want to surround yourself with intelligent people that are honestly smarter than you or better than you at their specific field. So that way you can trust them going into their specific realm and taking care of you when the time comes. Second quote would be, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I believe that kind of attributes to the first one. If you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and you're not the smartest person in the room, it's just going to accelerate your growth even more and quicker. And the last one would be a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So essentially build a strong team of intelligent people that are passionate, optimistic, and see your vision and goal and, and want to help you succeed. And I think you'll go a long way. So to start us off here, core, you want to go into your purse, building out your personal team and, and the flow of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should preface by saying this episode is geared more towards real estate. We've had like a couple episodes that you guys have listened to a mindset episode. Uh, we in, interviewed uh, an, an investor uh, a, a begin, sort of a beginner investor in all the grand scheme of things, Larry, who's talking about the, uh, how he has rentals with his parents. So this one is geared towards finding that happiness and freedom through real estate. Again, we're going to go back and forth between real estate and other objectives. And uh, uh, we have other, you know, investors coming on, but this episode is talking about building out that team, your all-star real estate investing team. And the first, I think the most important part of your team is your personal team. And again, you can buy real estate by yourself. Like I technically bought real estate by myself, but I would have never got into it if I didn't start out with my personal team and specifically my mentor. And when I say mentor, it's actually plural. I have multiple mentors, uh, but that's the biggest part of your personal team. And what people don't want to do and what I tried not to do is like go around looking for a mentor, like mentors organically, are created over time and how they're created is by putting your vision into the universe. We talk about this in previous podcasts, letting people know what you want to do, whatever that may be. And specifically, like I said, we're talking about real estate. So if, if that's the route you want to go, we're talking about letting people know that you want to be a real estate investor and then actually taking action and doing things to take the steps forward to become that. What that will do is this will draw people to you and it'll allow you to build your network like I said, organically to other real estate investors, which could lead you to be finding a mentor. Again, it's natural. We're not going up and asking people if you want, if they, you know, they want to be your mentor. So that's the biggest thing. I have three to four people in my network that I know that I can call at any time when problems happen and they're always willing to help me. And the only reason that that even came about is because I knew I wanted to be a real estate investor and I just kept talking about it a lot. And then the more people you talk to about it, the more people that they tell. And 
it kind of you kind of find your way towards that mentor. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I, basically, you're saying a mentorship develops through a relationship, and I would say it has to be reciprocal. For me, just to elaborate a little bit, my mentor is actually a client of mine, and I've done a lot for him on my side of the business on in my nine to five, and he reached we I put my vision into the universe and I told him what I wanted to do and I wanted to have a bunch of rentals and he just so happens to be a VP of a title company and a real estate title company and he has taught me pretty much everything I know and is going to continue to but he's helped me assemble my team you know I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning and and I leaned on him heavy essentially just to to help guide me in the right direction and I know he's been successful in selling real estate purchasing properties, holding properties and selling them. So like a lot of different things. And so I trusted in him and, and it worked out for my first deal. So I think it's important just to, to reiterate the fact that you don't want to go out seeking a mentor, pay a paying for one and B forcing it down someone's throat. It has to happen organically through a relationship. Perfect. Uh, yeah, no, you're so right. I think, uh, just to give you an example. I'm not going to name names about who my mentors are, but like what they do. One of my mentors owns like 10 to 15 properties is a super hands-on guy can fix anything. So if I have a problem that like I need fixed in my house, I'm always chatting with him about that. I have another like mentor who owns uh, probably like 150 units in the Philadelphia area. And he's like more of like a visionary type guy. So he, he's like strategy. I talk strategy with him. How do I move forward? What is my next, what is my next chess move, so to speak? And then I have just like a personal mentor uh, who I've known forever, who is, who I talk life, I talk business. And again, he's more of a visionary guy too, but he'll help me. If I call him, he, you know, he answers me within a second and he always has great advice. So all this is, is just putting your, putting your message out there and wanting success for others. And then they'll want it for you, especially if they're in an older generation who, when, once they make it to the space they want to be, they just want to help other people. So that's the mentor. Interesting that you, that you say that. A lot of people think, oh, this, this person won't want to be bothered with me. But a lot of people that are successful and have, found, have reached the peak or have a lot of time on their hands now, essentially, they want to give back and help the younger generation of people that have the same or similar goals to them yeah. reach that pinnacle. I know everybody thinks it's a competition and things like that, but everyone's writing their own story here. So I think it's just important to, to let that fear go and, and put it out there. Don't be afraid to let people know your goals and, and what you're hoping to accomplish in life. True. One of the other parts of the, we call this your personal team, your mentors, your, your mentor or mentors is your biggest asset on your personal team. Another part of your personal team could potentially be partners that you want to buy investment properties with. I personally have my properties solely by myself, but I know that in order for me to like expand and accelerate and get to, to speed this thing up, I'm going to have to partner with people. So what you want to do is obviously it goes without saying, surround yourself with like-minded people that you can really trust. But what partnering with people does is it, it maybe you have less money into the property as a whole, but you can split profits, split cash flow, and then, and it's all based on your percentage of your buy-in to the property. Just make sure that these are people that you trust because just because someone has money doesn't make them a good partner. And like I said, I think that goes without saying, but your partners are your biggest asset. If you're going to try to expand, I know people that have six to 10 units by themselves and then they skyrocketed to 30 to 50 units because they found the right people to partner with. And people are like, Oh, who wants to partner with me? Like, I, you know, I don't know anything. And I think 
you can really start out to build this team, especially by just knowing yourself. Like for me personally, I know that I'm really, I'm a good communicator. I'm good with people. I'm a good numbers guy, but like, you're never going to find me fixing like a door or like fixing a faucet. I just don't do it. Like I can't do it. And Jake is our, uh, like our producer. He is like such a handy guy. So I don't know if you want to even, but Jake just fixes shit. Like <laughs> it's just what he does. So you'll hear from Jake as, as we get into, um, into you know later episodes because he has some valuable advice but so knowing yourself is is one of the key things here just knowing who you are so you know potentially maybe you have someone you know that's a good salesman this person could serve as a good negotiator and maybe a good networker to help you find deals like in order to grow your business or grow your partnership with people you have to find deals so I'm just going to relate this to people that you might know. Like maybe you might know someone who's really good with numbers, who's an accountant, or that per person can serve as somebody who potentially could be good at deal analysis, which is something that we're going to talk about in our next episode. It's like maybe our most important episode. Um, or that person who's good with numbers can also be, you know, serve as a bookkeeper potentially for your properties. Um, let me think here. Maybe you know someone who's super organized. Maybe that person can serve as, you know, they can help manage your rentals and manage the tenants and, and organize paperwork and file things and keep leases in order and uh, manage contractors. Uh, and then maybe, you know, know someone who's, who's technical or handy and then they can serve as a, a quasi handyman or manage projects or contractors that are at specific properties. Again, I'm myself, but like you get the point is, you know, people around you that can fit into that team and everyone has a different skill set to bring to the table. So I think what you need to do in order to attract people to you is essentially show them how you can provide value, right? If you're starting yeah. off brand new, maybe you go help them sweep one of their properties. Maybe you help them drop off something to one of their tenants and you just keep picking their brain and showing them that you're willing to work for nothing just just to get knowledge and, and have them jump in with you so um i think that's, that's such a good point man because like what people think is like they'll often be like oh can i get coffee with you or can i get like get lunch or to, to help develop this mentorship but one of the things that i did is i offered in coaching it's the same thing it doesn't always apply to real estate it's like in coaching i offered to coach i offered to be a volunteer my first job i offered to be a volunteer assistant and then like that just i they're like how does, there's no downside for me. The head coach is like, this is great. Like put me on the staff. And then I showed my worth and, and this can happen in anything. So I think that's a great point. Just like putting it's again, putting yourself out there and be willing to work for free for some things. Like you're making an investment in your future. I think it's easy to, I, I think, I personally think it's easy for, especially for a side hustle to say, all right, I'm just going to dive in, show my worth, work for free. And then who's not going to respect someone who would do that? You know, you're talking about a side hustle and passive income. So it's not like you have to give up your actual job that provides income to every single day to go do these things. You can do it on the weekends and do it after hours, just helping people out. It's you're not, we're not asked. People aren't asking you to give up your whole life. It's just providing value on the side when you have time. Yeah. Than, and, and like, let's be clear, dude, we're not talking about like, Oh, you should, you should work for free for nothing for two years and like, you know, bleed out of your eyes and stuff like it's, <laughs> let's, let's just be realistic about this. We're just saying that there's things you can do for free and offer up your services and people will say, this person means business. They're, they're pretty valuable. So that is our, that kind of encompasses your personal team, your mentor, and the people you could potentially partner with on properties or building your actual physical investing team. So that's your personal team. Rye is going to talk about your purchasing team members. Now these are people that you need kind of to 
actually get the deal from point A to Z all the way through. And again, it's going to potentially could sound overwhelming. You don't need every single one of these partners up front. You just need them as you go out along the way. So it might be cool to get some advice ahead of schedule if you're ready to buy a property or get on this road in the next, you know, three to six months or six to 12 months. Correct. And every deal will look different. So these will ebb and flow and, and um, you can put them in any particular order you want. But jump in. Jake, Jake's like itching to jump in here. One thing I will say, I will butt in here. And right. I don't know if this is something that you're going to use in there or not, but um, I think part of the value, you mentioned me being kind of handy. Um, part of the value with me, I think that I've seen is even if it's something I don't know what or how to fix, you'll come to me and say, okay, the, we have this issue with the toilet or something like that. And <laughs> it's me not knowing shit. Go ahead. Yeah. But the, the thing is, I don't know how to fix the toilet, but I can point you in the right direction of someone who can, and yeah. even if it's not necessarily a specific person that I know, it's a type of job or someone or someone who's going to fix it cheaper than someone else. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So it's like a resource of somebody that, but Jake generally doesn't know how to fix it. He's lying. So um, anyway, I think it's a good, but point. I might, but what I'm saying is like, I might say like, okay, I have a feeling that's a pretty simple job. You can call a handyman instead of calling a plumber. You're right. Where okay. a plumber is going to be more expensive. And that is so big with like, we could talk about managing your rentals. We're going to talk about an episode. I have a, like a, a story, I guess I can talk about it at the end, but or at another episode, but just real quick, like if you don't know people like Jake to point you in that direction, certain jobs vary from like, an $800 job to a $150 job by doing the same job, just depending upon who you're hiring. And we'll get into that later, but I have a funny story about that. It's just like, you have to know people that know how to assess the situation. And that's, that's uh, Jake's a good example of that, but yeah. And you don't have to approach people like me and say, Hey, do you want to be a part of your team? You just have to be able to recognize who those people are and yeah, know exactly. when to call them. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So diving into purchasing team members, I would say the, the most important or popular to talk about first is real estate agent. So essentially a real estate agent is someone who helps people either buy or sell a home or a piece of property. They're employed um, essentially for the need of buying and selling homes because properties have pretty much always existed. This person's going to help you in a number of ways throughout your uh, investing journey here. So the number one thing they are is they serve as a guide. So they're going to take the time to learn your wants, needs, preferences, budget, motivation, why you even want to get into real estate. And the, essentially what they're going to do is, is help you narrow down your search and identify your priorities. Two, they're going to edu essentially educate you. Um, well, by the way, Rye, they're not all, all, not all real estate agents are created equal. We'll just put it to you that way. I've had my fair share of good and bad, but hopefully they educate you. <laughs> this is what they should do. How about that? Yeah, there exactly. we go. Well, not, they will not all do this. And this is, it's going to go down to, we talked about it in a, in a previous episode, I believe, but interviewing your, your real estate agent and, and yeah. making sure they align with your, your vision here, yep. but they should educate you and provide data on, um, the local home market and comparable sales to homes in the area. We all know the, the home buying process can be complicated. So they should explain the steps involved and walk you through it, especially if you're a first time investor. Uh, next point here, essentially they have a network, right? We talk about your network is your net worth. And I think it's important to find someone that has a heavy network and they're willing to share their people with your people. So you guys can all grow together. Um, 
I think by network, do you mean like they, the other people that we're talking about on your purchase purchasing team, they could help you identify some of those people too. Exactly. You're so essentially you're not going into the, into the fire unarmed here. They should be able to provide you with a recommendation on who you might want to use. For example, as a lender, as a home inspector, contractor, people will talk about down the, down the line here in this episode. Yeah. And then, um, the, this person should advocate for you essentially, right? Like their responsibility is to you. They're supposed to be your right hand man or woman that has an expert in their field. So they want, they should put your financial interests first. And they, by, by the way, they're contractually bound to you to their do. They have, they should be doing everything in their power to look out and protect you because you are their person. So uh, number five here would be negotiate. So not everyone is skilled in the craft of conversation and communication, right? So this person should be able to go into rooms for you and advocate for you and help walk, walk you through a deal, but also when the time's right, negotiate the selling price, the buying price, whatever side you have this agent on. Um, but so that way you don't have to go in there unarmed and, and not sure what you're saying. So, Overall, they're there just to look out for you essentially and be your confidant and can guide you um, head first. They're the front lines here, waging the war of real estate investing. How about that? So, you know, one, to go off that, one of the other things about the real estate agent is that it's kind of a common misconception or maybe not a misconception, just pe- things that people don't understand is that the real estate agents make money when the transaction is taking place, when you sell or when you buy. So, you can hire a real estate agent and you don't owe them any dollars to help you throughout the entire process until the transaction's made. So it's not like you're paying these people like you would a lawyer or something hourly to do all this work and then you don't end up buying and it's like, well, I just wasted a bunch of money and time. They make the money when the transaction is made on the sale and the purchase of the home. So you can feel free to hire an agent and help you throughout the process. And not to take advantage of anybody, but to network and learn from them so you can make sure that you're finding the right person. The first agent that you work with may not be the one that you end up going with for future uh, properties. That At least that was the case for me. I had a good agent, but she, like I said in previous episodes, she didn't know exactly what my goals were in terms of investing. So I found somebody else who who really did and got my goals. And you know, he, he's leading me down the process of buying. Someone might be, an agent might be great with buying and selling you your first home and it's right. work more with families. Right. And then someone else is more skilled in investing and they may invest in real estate themselves. And it's so much better to get next to or close with someone that has a similar vision to yours because you can bounce ideas off each other. You get excited and you feed off each other's energy. I think that's super important um, when going through the process. So as you mentioned, going with a, a couple different agents here over your time, I think it makes it makes sense. You're, you, I don't know if anyone's going to get lucky enough to have the same agent from beginning to end in their journey. So yeah, another person that's super important to have on your team is a mortgage broker or banker. So a mortgage banker works for a bank or a, l- a lending institution that essentially provides you money for the loan. A mortgage broker doesn't represent one institution, but works with a bunch of different institutions to shop around and essentially shop the loan for a specific person. The broker is the middleman between you and the lender. So I hope that makes sense. I'm kind of going yeah, through the process. It, no, that definitely makes sense, dude. I think this is important to talk about like one of my, I have a really good relationship with a, a mortgage uh, lender and 
the best thing about this guy is that he'll tell me straight up when he, his company's not the best company to be the one that's the lender on my property. I bought, um, I haven't, don't have all my properties with him. I only have one. And he, he straight up told me, he was like, yo, you need to go to this other company. They're going to be better for you with this type of product. And like to, that is so valuable because a lot of mortgage lenders will just be like, Oh, I'll take your business. Like, I don't care. So just finding the right person, again, networking, sharing your goals, showing that you're like upfront, you're a straight up person, guy or girl, you're just like a good person. I think um, that'll help you find the right mortgage broker. And if you have somebody that, that will say, look, uh, you, you need to go somewhere else. That is like invaluable. Couldn't agree more. I think it's important to, to talk about, that person can help you with interest rates as they go up and down, they fluctuate too and shopping around. So that's what I did. And it, we were, I looked at an email chain and we were going back and forth for two to three months with my lender. And, um, the guy's a rider or he's her. Just, he's just, yeah, he's a boss and total stud was patient with me. Knew it was, knew it was my first property. I'm living in it, but, um, I, I couldn't be more grateful for him to, to kind of be patient, put it that way. It made me feel less, less like an idiot. So moving, moving forward here, it's important to have an accountant or a bookkeeper. Um, essentially real estate accountants pre prepare financial records and reports for a variety of real estate transactions, everything from property sales, rentals, leases, and time sharing. Um, and then the reports they, they prepare are almost pretty basic development expenses, operational costs, profits, and they, they detail everything. So that way you have them in one nice, or a couple nice files. I know I'm not the best with organization, so it's important to have someone like this on your team. Yeah, accountant's huge, man. I, my accountant is, he he actually owns real estate himself, so he totally gets it. And every year, I'm getting the most out of my tax benefits on my properties. And you just have to find someone who knows what you're doing. And this goes back to knowing what you're good at. Dude, I would get so lost if I had tried to do, some people file their own taxes, and that's great. But once you get into the real estate game, and you start purchasing properties, unless you're an accountant yourself, it just becomes a little bit harder to manage that. So finding a good accountant, uh, mine's awesome. And he always takes care of me. I don't know enough to speak intelligently on this topic in terms of exactly what they're doing, but I am going to bring him on so he can talk to people about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I would say tax benefits of real estate are insane, yeah. Yeah. but I, I just said, I'm not an expert on this either. So I think it's important. We'll bring someone in to talk about it. Put it this way. When you start getting into real estate investing, you're no longer going to be using TurboTax. How about that? Yeah, definitely not. I mean, you can, but you have to I know. I honestly suggest to people now to just talking about financial independence, get just hire, hire an accountant, hire someone to do your, your taxes for the love of God. Because and to give you an example of that, Rye, it's like if people think like hiring an accountant, it's so much like I, I my accountant, I'm not going to tell you how much it costs, but my accountant has discounted rates for people that are under 30 or just getting started into like into real estate or just getting started in like W2 income or a couple years into W2 income. He has a discounted rate and it's, it is a billion percent worth of what I pay. Like, and people will do that because guess what? They know that you're going to develop income over time and keep coming back to them. And then they can charge you whatever the hell they are going to charge you down the road. But just talk to people who have accountants and see if they have rates for people who are Kind of, and I say just getting started, but within the first five, six years of, of your working life, you know? Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more with that. So moving forward here, another important person to have on, on your, your purchasing team. team. Let's go. <laughs> on your purchasing team. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Real <laughs> estate, a real estate attorney or a lawyer. So 
everyone pretty much knows what a lawyer is, but a real estate attorney essentially is a legal professional who specializes in the legal aspects of buying and selling real estate. So lawyers can assist in a ton of different transactions associated with the transfer of the property, but real estate attorneys will, will fo focus specifically on the buying and selling aspects of the whole deal. And they'll help you, they'll help guide you through it. And well, that, and also they're helping you with like uh, making sure that you have the guiding in the direction of the right insurance coverage to have and stuff. And it, God forbid, so, something will happen by the way, with one of your properties, somebody slips and falls this, this, that, and third, and you just want to have a good attorney to go to and say, am I liable for this? And you want to have, again, the attorney helps you with the LLC that we talked about in our last episode with setting up, say, I need to have each property in its own LLC, or I need to have three properties. Well, we in recommend LLC. that. They huh? may, re may, may recommend that to you as yeah. well. I, I mean, actually don't have an attorney, but I need to get one in the next year or so as I start to grow this, because that's one of the things, like I said, you don't need, to, I don't want people to think you need to have all of these to get started because you'll spend so much time trying to think about how many of these people I need to get on my team. You don't need all of them to get started, but there are ones that are important. Personally, I don't have an attorney, but I know people that know attorneys. So should I need one? Like I can probably find one, you know? Yes. I would say personally, I don't have a specific one that I use every time either. It's, it's something that's going to grow over time, but I, I would say another important person to have and that could help in that realm of checking the paperwork and making sure everything's legally in flux would be an escrow officer or a title rep that works for a title company. And that, I told you this is my mentor specializes in this. He's a VP of one of the companies yeah. um, and just made my deals fly so smooth. So I, I I'm taking care of all the paperwork stuff, right? All the stuff that you hate. So yeah, a title company makes sure that the title to a piece of real estate is essentially legitimate. and then. They issue the, then they issue the title insurance for that property. So title insurance essentially protects the lender and the owner against lawsuits or claims against the property yeah. that, you know, that results in disputes over the title over time. So um, well, that also goes to like the transfer of it where it's like, what if the person who owned the property before still owes like six months of utilities, like they handle getting that sorted out so that when you get the property, you're not stuck with you know, all these bills. It's funny. I actually went through that on my first property. I got a bill for like $600 on like the water bill that was never paid. And the guy who sold me the property was an honest guy. He just, he just like missed it in the transaction and the title company called him and got the money from him. So that's kind of an example of what they do. Just so you're not stuck with bills that were previously paid from like the year prior to you buying the property. So, so I have one more that I think is pretty important and okay. it could change for each property. I know you said you use specifically the same one, but we, we talk about a home inspector. So yeah. essentially the purpose of a home inspection is to give you information needed to make an informed decision about the purchase of your home. So essentially the, the home inspectors will focus, they'll come to your house and they'll focus on finding major defects that may cost the buyer a ton of money. We talked about this in the last episode. Um, my AC unit, this, my inspector didn't do a great job of letting me know that thing was about to shit the bed. So, um, your boy fork double cup, a bunch of dough for that, which kind of sucks. So I would say do your homework on that. Look at reviews, get referrals. And um, then the last one to touch on, I forgot before was an appraiser. So essentially an appraiser is a person that's going to estimate the, the market value of your house. And essentially what, what they'll do is they'll come in, they'll check out everything that encompasses the property and give you a value based on what the market's at right now. So that'll happen 
when you buy when you purchase your deal and if you refinance they come back yeah so I would say that to go off inspector and appraisers, like I don't have a specific appraiser I use, but I think it's less important to have a specific appraiser because like they can't fudge the market. Like it is what it is. So maybe you have somebody that you might get an extra five or 10 grand out of that, you know, but it's, it's, it, they're pretty much held accountable to that. So the appraiser is somebody who's just going to be honest and come in and assess it. And they have no reason to not. So I don't have a specific appraiser I use. I do have a specific inspector. And the only way to get a specific inspector that you like is to find him or her throughout others. And you have to make mistakes on ones that you might hire, uh, you know, cause I hired one who was decent. And then the next one, he wrote like a 30 page detail report and got me significant money off of the home purchase of stuff that I would have never even thought of. So these people are important, you know, because you can, what happens when you find one you like and, and that has benefited you, you you'll use them again. But yeah. once again, you can go to your real estate agent and they should provide you with insight to their network and refer people that they've used or that, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they, they work with each other in some, some fashion um, to help each other out on deals. And, but you can, you can go to your agent essentially and uh, you should be able to get a referral for someone to use. And for yeah, almost that's so big too, because like we said, we're not trying to overwhelm people with the amount of people that you have to hire prior to. Your agent, if you have a really good agent, I wouldn't suggest all of these being hired by them or suggested by them, but the majority of these, they might have connections or they should have connections if they've been in the business for a while to give some of these people to you, especially like an escrow or a title rep um, or you know things of that nature. I think we can go into this next uh, part of your purchasing team can be considered your purchasing team or your post-purchasing team. I think that the reason it could be your purchasing team is because you might want to get it in order prior to, but uh, I'll talk about it in, as an either or, as, and it's your property manager. And your property manager is something that you have to factor into your numbers when you analyze a deal or analyze a property. And we're going to talk about that analyzing the property, the numbers behind it in the next episode, which is probably, like I said, going to be my favorite episode because I love that stuff. But I, the reason I'm saying it has to be factored into the numbers because the average uh, that a property manager charges to manage your property is eight, probably seven to 12% of the rent each month. So if you don't factor that in, and you want to be a hands-off investor and you're not factoring in eight to 12% or seven to 12% of the rent, then you're not getting as good of a deal as you thought. Now, if you want to be more of a hands-on investor and when you first start out, it's so much easier to do that because personally, I feel like I can manage like probably 10 rentals by myself without, with the systems that I have without like going insane. So like I said, I, I manage my own properties. In my opinion, a property manager isn't needed unless you're super passive when you get to more than five to six, maybe seven properties. Um, and again, it all depends on your cash flow threshold. Again, what makes a good deal to you and how much time you have to contribute to real estate based on your work schedule. Uh, you know, cause when you're first getting started re managing rentals, it's not too hard. You, you, it hiring that property management person eats into your cash flow at the beginning. So when you scale though, it's totally needed. So I'm going to hire a property manager when I get to a certain amount of properties for sure. But and I talked about my cash flow threshold. I can share mine in the next episode. That kind of ties into analyzing the deal because what can happen is you think you have a cash flow property that you're making $500 a month on it. And then if the rent's $1,000 and 10% of that is coming out, you know, because of a property manager, then you're not making $500. You're making $400 a month. Not to mention property managers often charge to fill the property in between tenants. So they'll take it off of your hands, but they're going to charge you one month 
to one month's rent to fill the property a vacancy when somebody leaves. So it's, it can be expensive, but it can be totally worth it once you scale your, your business. So I think that kind of concludes what I would consider our purchasing team members. And Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? Or I can, I can go into post purchasing team members. Yeah. You summed it up. I think the nice little cherry on top there at the property manager. Okay. Now let's dive into the post purchasing team members and people that you'll, you'll use you know, after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. So the post purchasing team members, this is after you've closed on your property, you're ready to either move in yourself and like a house hack or, you know, move in yourself to live there with your significant other or whomever, or you're, you have it as your, as your rental property and you have, we're going to talk about managing tenants and getting leases and all that later. But so you, you, we can just discuss that, but some of the post purchasing team members is, is a good contractor. And honestly, a good contractor is probably the hardest person to find in this whole, in this whole thing, because they can make or break your profit margin on specific projects that you have around the house. I had, I'll, I'll just tell this example right now. I had a, one of my, um, I think it was my girlfriend, actually. She must have put a feminine product, you know what those things are, down my toilet and it clogged my drain. And it was like disgusting, like, you know, clogged forever. And then- He is going to kill you for talking about this. Yeah, I don't care. She, she knows. And so I literally put up a sign in my bathroom that says like, don't flush feminine products. And the only people in there right now are Jake and Dave, but like, I'm just having it in there in case we have people over or anything. But anyway, I called- a company, I'm not going to, not going to, you know, bash companies here. I called a specific company and they were like, yeah, they came out with iPads and they were in like college shirts and they were like, they were like all professional. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be $900 to fix your clogged drain. And I was like, that's a lot of money. And then I called somebody else. And to be honest with you, they came out, they looked a little bit less professional, like, you know, but they came out, they got the job done and it cost me $150. So it's like, if you don't know who to go to for these contracting jobs, you can get absolutely screwed. Like I don't want to be out $800 just because I have quote unquote peace of mind that somebody comes out with like that looks professional. You just want to make sure that somebody's good, someone that you trust. So that's contractor for an example, you know, drywall servicing, plumbing, heating, cooling. Um, you know, uh, did I say plumber? I don't know. Plumber. And there's, you know, electric, uh, electric, mechanical, um, appliances, all those things would be contractors. And then jumping in with contractors here too, there's also contractors for aesthetics, right? So we're getting some crown molding installed. We're yeah. doing backsplash tile in the kitchen, painting a banister. We have a bunch of projects essentially that, um, you know, pre-quarantine, we were supposed to have someone come in. It's been a little bit delayed, but we shopped around a bunch, had a bunch of different people come in, give quotes. And, you know, you, sometimes you, you go for the cheaper product, but sometimes you go, or sometimes you go for the, the most expensive. Sometimes you meet in the middle, but I think it also goes back to explaining your vision and what you want to do. I told this contractor, I'm like, listen, this is going to be a future rental item. I'm not looking to spend a million bucks here, but I want to enhance the value of this property over time. Here's what I'm looking to do. What do you suggest as well? Yeah. He sat down, came in, walked through every single thing with me and said, I think this will help. He's like, honestly, even if you wanted to put up a wall here, um, coming up in, you know, X amount of time that will, you know, having another room in this property could, could enhance the rent running it out and just having the knowledge. Right, exactly. Like turning a three bed to a four bed or something like that. Essentially turn it to a four bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we don't have a basement here. So I was trying to figure out a way to do it, 
But aesthetically too, you know, I remember when I first walked into my property and it had certain things, I was like, wow, I would much rather, it was just little tiny things that looked cleaner and newer. Yeah. I would, I would jump on something like that as opposed to being a first time homeowner or investor then going into a ratty house that had, you know, maybe they were priced the same, but it didn't look as clean or yeah. didn't have things that I was looking for. You're saying so. aesthetic, like I said, cosmetics are just as important too. And especially when you're like trying to sell a home or rent a home out, right? That's part of it. The, the, whole, the biggest thing is contractors is getting them to call you back, man. So you have that guy that walked around with you and like, and like helped you out with those things. Like I can't even get my contractors the ones that I don't use anymore, I couldn't get him to call me back. I'm like, can you come in and fix something? And like my roommates were like, yo, are you going to fix this? And I'm like, I, dude, I've called three guys and they won't even like call me back. So it's like, you know, part of that's on me. Once you find a good one, you more, you more than, more than likely. Stick with them. Yeah. Another one, another post-purchasing team member is a handyman. And that's someone who can come in to just take care of little things that come up on a daily basis, like maybe like tightening faucets and obviously if you can't fix a light bulb, then like you probably shouldn't buy a property, but, um, that, and, and like, like my stove is broken. I could probably have a handyman come in and do that. Um, something, some things with like water lines. And, uh, I had somebody do some grading outside in front of my heart, front of my yard, a handyman helped with that, but you, you can also get handy yourself. And I've actually, I say that I'm not handy, but I have developed a little bit of that like to try to like fix a couple things around the house and Jake will probably say that's not true, but you know, <laughs> I think I'm a little bit more handy at least than when I started buying. Honestly, hit YouTube. You can learn literally oh, yeah, that's so true. anything on YouTube. It's if you're willing to work and if you're willing to penny pinch a little bit, you're going to save so much more dough and you learn. I want to know how to do certain things. So that way when someone comes in and tells me it's going to be X amount, I can check them and say, seriously, dude, there's no way it costs that. I just yeah. did it for this. That's so, so true. It just gives you a little bit more knowledge and uh, you get a little sweat equity in there, brother. Wow. That's good, man. That's a buzzword. Um, so the next one would be like a cleaner, a cleaning crew. I don't think this is as important to have like one on deck, but if you know a couple of people that are good, like I have this lady who came in and cleaned before Christmas and she's, she like, I'll say she like, she wasn't perfect, but she texts me every now and then. And she's like the person that I think of that, like, she's like, Hey, do you need a new cleaning? Like you need another cleaning. And like, I'm not going to go through the process of finding one if she texts me and she's at a good price but also amazon has those price has those things now like amazon service Wait, you hooked me up by the way with that am with amazon did you so, use it so we used it we used amazon it was like 75 bucks for your whole house like it's so nuts. 75 75 bucks for the whole house for the first time they come and they do a super deep clean now we use it a couple times right and they use different cleaning services it's essentially they're they hire out for you right yeah so the first one we had was decent. We had another young girl our age and her mother who they honestly don't speak. Wait, that's the, is that the one I showed you or no? Yes, off Amazon. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same, the, the second contractor. We had yeah. one that was horrible. Second one, um, they came in, cleaned the house. It was beautiful. It honestly looked like we had just moved in. I thought yeah. it looked even cleaner. And I, and I said, Court, I was like, hey, how do, like, how do we get them back? And they honestly, they didn't speak, like I said, a look English. We, we use Google Translate and text text them back and forth we don't use amazon anymore we specifically have them come out and during the quarantine right it's no one wants to be near each other they appreciate we reached out to them and said hey listen we want we want to have you come in and do some work and and just clean once a month whatever they came in with the gloves with the masks everything and sent the nicest text message thank you so much we haven't been able to work much during the world right now it's a little shaken up and it 
honestly, their work spoke for itself, but we kind of have a relationship now and I won't use anyone else. Yeah. I and like you're supporting I feel like small business in this time. That's actually, that's awesome. And now you have somebody you're going to use over and over, right? It was phenomenal. They came today. That's why I couldn't, I couldn't record earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, well, I'd say that we're almost finished here. The next episode we're going to talk about finding and analyzing deals. And this is my favorite episode because people are probably listening to this like, okay, I get it. Like you guys are talking a lot about what to do, but like, how do I know if a deal is a good deal to buy? Like, and that is so powerful. I love doing it. I do it. Like I probably analyze like maybe, I don't know, five to 10 deals a week just to see what the market's like. Uh, because it gets me absolutely jacked when I see one, even though I'm not like in the market to buy right now, but I will be soon. I feel uh, just, like once you know how to do this and changes the game, dude, and are confident in it, it is an absolute game changer because you, you know, you're an investor, right? You know what you're doing now. It's yeah. a numbers game. Specifically for me, I'm, I'm not a master at this yet. And I'm, I lean heavily on you to, to kind of walk me through, but I'm learning. And I think next episode is going to be going to be incredible and people will feel so much more confident coming out of it. But yeah, well, this- dude, like that saying that it's like, it's not only like analyzing deals and like what ha- will happen to people is they'll get analysis paralysis and they'll just like analyze and analyze and analyze. But like what I, one of the things I did is I actually just dove in on one and the numbers were exactly what I analyzed. And once you have that realization, you're like, wait a second, this isn't just on paper anymore. Like I'm making this money per month because I dove in. So that's part of the, what the analyzing, uh, finding and finding and analyzing deals episode we'll do next. Uh, next awesome. Week. Well, the, as we wind down here, the episodes almost come to an end. We are going to dive into the segment of the show that we've recently named as the last drop. So we will dive in there and essentially what we're renaming here are uh, something to share to the last drop. So last drop for this week, book recommendation again, um, I've been listening to a book, a uh, book on, uh, on audible. It's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And it's by Mark Manson. So essentially this book challenges the conventions of any regular self-help book essentially invites the reader to not try and say no often. Don't always be a yes man and embrace negative thinking. And in a way it's almost reverse psychology in a way. So his idea is that like not giving a fuck is about being comfortable with being different and caring about something more important than adversity. I just thought it was a cool way of thinking. And his key message throughout the book is, you know, the key to living a good life is not giving a fuck about the little things anymore. It's about caring about less and giving it a F about only what is true and immediate and important in your, in your goals and your passions. So Interesting it, way to think about life. Oh, um, dude, let's go. Yeah, I actually haven't read it. I didn't, I, I'm like not, I don't want to say I'm confused, but I don't even know. I'd like to, re- I'm so like intrigued now by what you're saying. It's like, like you said, reverse psychology. I don't know. I mean, I try to give a fuck about less things. Actually, Jake, did you read it? Not the whole thing. Okay, so he doesn't know yet. But um, this, uh, yeah, Take Rise to Recommendation seems like a good book to at least like just break away from like the normal thought process, right? Yeah, it's just an it's, it's an unconventional way of thinking, and rather every other self help book pushes this growth mindset, and everything is roses and flowers as long as you have a vision and you want to go somewhere, and people are going to help you get there. And this one challenges the norm, and I think it's cool, especially for people that may not be optimists 
and more on the pessimist side of things, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it gave me a little, shed a little light on some, some situations for me. So I think people will like it and it's definitely a, a different recommendation than I typically go with. So feel yeah, free to and like, that's good. Cause we want to give people just like other resources to people that are way smarter than us. And, uh, I can, I don't know Mark Manson, but I can absolutely guarantee he's smarter than me. So, um, yeah, I think we just completed episode six of the weekly juice podcast. We gave you a kind of just a recap personal team people that can help you grow purchasing team, people that can help you get to the, get to the closing table on your deal post purchasing team, people that can help you successfully run your property the way you want. And then we're going to talk about in future episodes, scaling and how to get to the next level, which we're not even at yet, but we are starting to learn about how to get there. Again, the next episode is learning how to find and analyze deals. That's like, we're super excited about that. We are also going to have some more guests on there. Some incredible people that really know what they're doing, not only in the real estate world, but the financial independence. They're super happy people. They're free people. They get it. And uh, please rate, subscribe on subscribe on YouTube, rate on Apple. I don't think Spotify has like a rating service, but if you can rate and review on Apple, mm-hmm. it really helps us out. seems like a lot of people like it so far and we're pretty juiced, you know, for lack of a better term to keep bringing this stuff out to you. Yeah, feel Anyone? free. I would say feel free to let us know what we can do to improve what you might be interested in hearing about. Yeah. If there's certain things in certain episodes you want us to dive in more on that we might have just treaded lightly on, please do it. And if you are listening, you are intrigued, please don't be shy to toss a follow on the Instagram as well. At, at the weekly use pod. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Cool. Get out here, right? Good. Juice boys out. See ya.